And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, it is a joy to be with you. Uh, the screen up there has all of my fancy titles. Uh, I am currently serving as the pastor of Taylorsville uh, First United Methodist Church, uh, but uh, my big daytime gig is uh, I'm director of spiritual leadership for the Mississippi Annual Conference, uh, which means I wrangle preachers. That is my job. Everything that happens in the life of preachers from the moment they enter to the moment of exit somehow flows in and out of my office. And so, uh, so it is a joy to be with you. Uh, I am the other Harper. Uh, normally you have a different Harper here. And uh, although we haven't made the blood connection, we just claim that it's cousins because it's Mississippi. We're all related somehow. And, uh, but I appreciate Charlie uh, for allowing me to come and spend this time with you. And I uh, appreciate uh, Reverend Jim Genesee, who is another dear friend, uh, for allowing me to, to be a part of the amazing ministry that is happening at Startmore First. And so as we enter into this time of breaking the bread of life, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Loving and everlasting Father, how good it is. How good it is to be in this place with your people. To dwell here with your spirit. God, open your word to us. Open your word to us that it may breathe new life into dry bones, that it may find fertile soil in our lives, that we will bear fruit for the kingdom. For Lord, as good as it is here, we are called to be a people who take that grace and hope out there. Speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us through the power of your word. For we ask it in Christ's holy and blessed name. Amen. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. And so we are going to join. Does anybody else use N95 masks for everything? We use them as coasters, bookmarks. We have them laid all around the house. But we're going to be reading scripture today uh, from Ch Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. 
The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am drinking from the happy birthday mug because today is my birthday. Today I turn 40, none of your business. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So this has kind of been a birthday weekend. I've been doing some work. I was able to do some work in Columbus. And my daughter, uh, who is a junior in high school, uh, took a tour of the W uh, while we were over there. And then we have been in Starkville the last couple of days uh, doing some work in the Starkville district. And then also uh, I got to spend yesterday as a birthday gift from my family uh, watching the Bulldogs win. And uh, let me tell you, it was a great game, although it was frigid. Uh, but we had great seats. We sat in the Omaha Club Loge. Anybody, anybody happen to have tickets to the Omaha Club? I'm asking completely selfishly because you're going to be my new best friend. Yeah, it was amazing because it was so cold, but we got to go inside where it was warm and where there was food and where people were nice. And then we could go back down and... Uh, Three, uh, John, my, my son Joshua, who is a freshman at Mississippi State, uh, that's the other thing that brings us to Starville, is he doesn't need my money right now, and so the only way I get to see him is if I come to him. And so uh, he and uh, my daughter Lucy and my youngest son Benjamin, who are all here, uh, went to the game with me, and we were having a wonderful time. But every once in a while, Joshua would get up in between plates of food, because he was determined his daddy was getting his money's worth, and in between plates of food, every once in a while, Joshua would disappear because some of his friends were, were sitting somewhere next to us. And uh, he was coming back and forth and back and forth. And at one point I asked him, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I just need to go over there and flex on them every now and then because, you know, they're seated with the peasants. And, you know, here, here we are seated. Yeah, two of his friends that he was flexing on, that's exactly what he was doing. So now I've just ratted him out. Now you know. But you know, isn't that such human nature that when something is great, we want to hold on to it forever? We do. When we're having that great, amazing experience, we want to take pictures and we want to tell everybody about it and we want to hold on to it. We want to always remember it. You know, I think about all the times that, that I've traveled and planned family vacations, and I plan them, and, and I really over-plan them, that every moment is perfectly orchestrated because we're doing what? We're making memories. We're making memories because we may never get there again. We may never have this moment again, and so therefore we want to do everything we can to hold on to it. That same kind of need to preserve and to hold on was the first motivation of the disciples that day. Jesus took special ones and he took them up with him and they saw him transfigured, which means they saw him in glory. They saw him glowing with the glory of God. And not only did they see him, but they saw Moses and Elijah join him. 
Such an amazing moment where the literal glory of God was there on earth. And they got to see that and they got to experience that. And notice exactly what their first response is. You know what? It's good that we're here, so let's keep it. Now, I love that, you know, the disciple throws in, if you would like us to, Jesus, I want to be thrilled, three shelter, some some translations use tabernacle. Some translations use tent. But basically, regardless of what you call it, it all has the same purpose, to protect what is here. And said, so Jesus, here's what we want to do. It is good that we are here, so why don't we put down stakes? Why don't we claim this moment and let's hold on to this moment and let's protect this moment and let's shelter this moment? Probably if they had cell phones, they would have been taking selfies in that moment. Let's hold on to this moment because this is what is good. Does it sound familiar? That's exactly what the church is so good in doing is here we are with this amazing gospel, this amazing life-changing word of God, and we love it, and it is good, and it is wonderful for us to be here, and so we want to put down stakes and want to build up walls, and we want to hold it, and we want to protect it, because it's so good, and it's so wonderful for us, and we don't want to lose it. And the reality is we know that in the world, it's so easy to lose. And so we want to hold on to it. We want to shelter it. But I love that in the moment that they're feeling that, that God's voice breaks in and says, you're wrong. You see, when we live our life, whether as individuals or as the church, focused on our experience of God's goodness, when that becomes our focus, our entire life is about preservation. It is about holding on so tightly to what we have and what we possess because we're scared of losing it. But my friends, if we have learned anything as the church, the harder we hold on, the quicker we lose it. The harder we hold on and try to keep it for ourselves, the more it leaks through our grip. And so the God, voice of God breaks in and says, it's not about you. The voice of God comes in. And says, again, for a second time, this is my son. This is the beloved. This is the one in whom I am pleased. But this time, he says to them, listen to him. In that moment, God's presence breaks into the glory, breaks into the excitement, breaks into the moment and says, it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about you. It's not about protecting your experience. The focus is about Jesus Christ. My son, the beloved. And not only do I want you to focus on him, but I want you to listen to him. 
want you to hear what it is that he has to say. Because guess what, folks? His word is not about protecting anything. His word is not about holding on to anything. His word is not about sheltering. His word is about breaking it wide open. His word is about busting down the walls. His word is about shattering the world. He says, listen to him. Because the reality is that when our focus stops being about ourselves and stops being about preservation and we shift our focus where it should be to Christ, we realize that Christ is not here to keep things as they are. But Christ is here to transform things into the way they should be. I was going to say, that's some good teaching right there. Somebody ought to say amen. <laughs> it's about transforming. It's about changing. And it is only when we are allowed to let go of ourselves and to focus on Christ can I be honest with you for a second? So much of the, what the work the church does is good and wonderful and laudable and has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It doesn't. It has everything to do with us. It has everything to do with being the people we want to be. It has everything to do with making you into the people I want you to be. It has everything to do with making the world in our image. And in those moments, the voice of God comes screaming through and says, Don't forget Christ. That is what we possess. That is what we have. Christ, and there is not another entity in this world that has the commission of the gospel but the church. And it is time for us to let go of our need to hold on to comfort and let go of our need to hold on to easy and to embrace our call to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in case you didn't know, we live in a world that needs it. We live in a world that needs it. Now more than ever. We live in a world that is actually at war. Did you know about that? Did you know that what's happening in the Ukraine is more than just some Facebook post? Did you know that? Did you know that what is happening, what seems a world away, is more than about our gas prices and stock prices, but that there are people whose lives are being destroyed because of greed and because of arrogance and because of selfishness? That's a world that needs Jesus. There are people outside these walls who are suffering. You know, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the scripture is here they have this great moment. It's all about us. Oh, we want to stay here forever. 
God jumps in and says, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Do what he tells you to do. And the first direction Jesus gives is get up. Oh my God, how many times, how many times, oh Lord, do you want to say that to the church? Get up. Get up and do something. Get up. He says, get up. And then he leads them down the mountain. Because you see, the real glory of what God is doing is not in the holy moment. It is in how we live it down the mountain. And he leads them down the mountain. And then he gives them this kind of strange direction. He says, now look, don't talk to them about what you have seen yet. He doesn't say don't do it ever. He says, don't do it yet. Until the Son of Man is raised, then will be the time. You know, a lot of scholars, a lot of people who are so much smarter than me, have written books and books and books about exactly what Jesus meant there. But I'm going to tell you what I think. And what I think in a buck 25 will buy you coffee, except it's free here. So, but notice what Jesus says. He says, don't tell them about this yet. This is what I want you to tell them about it. Because you see, church, that's another thing that we have to understand about our call to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, is we don't get to share it our way. We share it the way that people can receive it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you come down the mountain. You come down the mountain and all you're talking about is, oh, let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what was happening. Let me tell you how amazing it is. People are not going to hear that or understand that. You know why? Because they don't have any context for it yet. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to come down the mountain and I want you to share what people need to hear, not what you want to tell them. And here's the reality. People out there, maybe even some of us in here, don't need to hear how great it's going to be. What we need is someone who says how rough it is now. We need people to be with us in our suffering, to be with us in our pain, to be with us. Because people will never hear our words of hope until they know we understand their lives of pain. And we live in a world that says, you know what? We dismiss all of that as fast as humanly possible. You know, that's the way our society deals with grief is we want it over as soon as possible. And you know why we want it over for you? Is because it's uncomfortable for us. And so the fact is, here's what we want you to do. We want you to immediately, we got to get that funeral as soon as possible because we got to get this over as soon as possible. And then we want you to move on. We don't want you to be sad. We want you to just jump back in life because the sadder you are, the sadder we have to be. And we're just a world that doesn't like sad. You know, I think that we should go back in time and embrace grief the way the people of the Scripture understood grief. Grief was a communal thing. Grief was something the entire community participated in. And their focus wasn't on alleviating it. Their focus was on living it. And they wore sackcloth and ashes and they mourned. 
Because they knew you can never, when you are in that moment of brokenness, the promise of resurrection is the last thing that you can wrap your mind around when all you're feeling is the loss of the moment. That's what the world needs. The world needs people who aren't scared to embrace the ugliness and the roughness of people's lives. And we don't have to go across the world to see that. It happens in our own communities. It happens in our own families. And Jesus says to the disciples, don't come barreling down here proclaiming all the good stuff that you've experienced because it's not about you, it's about them. You see, that's what happens when God breaks into our selfish life and removes the focus from us onto Christ, then Christ shifts our focus to those who he loves and who need the most loving. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love them where they are. And because you love them where they are, because you meet them where they are, because you heal them where they are, that I can come in and lift them to where I want them to be. Right now, church, we live in a time and a place where the healing power of the gospel has never been more needed. Has never been more needed. Right now, we live in a time and a place where people's lives are so overwhelmed by voices of anger and bitterness and selfishness that there is nobody who is proclaiming a word of love and compassion and care. And the reason nobody out there is doing it is because it's our job. For too long we have tried to relegate the responsibility of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody else. We want our legislatures to pass laws that make people behave. We want our government to do things that make people behave. We want all the do-good organizations to take care of people so we don't have to be bothered. We want all everybody else to do our job. And guess what? They can't because it's not their job. It's ours. And if there's anything the scripture teaches us today, is that we've got to do our job. This is a pivotal moment in the life of the disciples. Because Jesus is preparing them from this moment. It is going to get rough and it is going to get nasty, and it's going to get dark, and guess what? It's all going to be on you. Because, you know, that's what happens after the transfiguration. It's from there, it's all toward Calvary. And he's telling them, you got to be prepared. you got to be willing. You've got to be committed. And so that becomes the challenge for us today.
Are we prepared? Are we prepared to be the voice of light and hope in this darkened world? Are we ready? Are we ourselves ready for the work at hand? Are we doing our own work? One of the things that I'm constantly harping on with your clergy is just because they have been called to be leaders doesn't mean that they still, they get to stop being followers. We cannot lead if we are not following first. And the same is true for all of you in the priesthood of all believers. If you are not girding yourself and immersing yourself in prayer and scripture and the presence of God, you will never be able to tackle the world. All you're ever going to be able to do is hide behind the walls that we build to protect us. Are you ready for that? Are you doing the work you need to do so that Christ can use you. Because it's your job. It's your job to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. It is your job to break open this world so that God can enter and do amazing things. It is your job. Are you doing it? Are we doing it? Are we making disciples for Jesus Christ with the transforming gospel? Or are we just building tents and making memories? God needs you. Because the world needs Christ. Let us pray. Almighty Father, forgive us. Forgive us for the tents and the tabernacles and the shelters and the walls that we build to hold on to your glory. Forgive us for our selfishness that just wants to hold on to everything that is good for us, that only sees our neighbor in how they impact our lives. Oh God, forgive us for being so scared that we cannot trust and that we cannot live. And God, through your cleansing grace and mercy, heal us and change us and fill us once again to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit. That our lives are no more about us, but they are all about you. That we may send forth a word of healing that we may send forth a word of peace, that we may send forth a word of grace and hope. 
that we may be that voice crying in the wilderness in the midst of all of the noise of fear and doubt and anger and hatred, that we may be the voice that pierces through all of that and says to every living soul, you are beloved. Not because of who you are, not because of what you do, not because of where you live, but you are beloved because God has claimed it so. And God wants nothing more than for you to live into that love. Heal us, O oh Lord. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Send us, O oh Lord. It is in the holy and blessed name of Christ we ask it. Amen.